0: Okay, um so welcome everyone to the what are we called the Pleasures of the text
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> welcome everyone to the Pleasure of the text podcast. I am your host Shannon, and we have
1: Gareth, hello.
0: and uh, we're just two friends obsessed with books and writing and we're here to share that imaginative space where readers and writers make meaning together um so today it's our chat with gareth and shannon segment and today we are talking about what can you achieve in 48 hours especially in terms of your writing and we have a few really exciting examples did you want to kick us off gareth
1: yeah i can kick us off um should we talk about ourselves first or should we talk more generally? What would you What would you prefer?
0: Well, if you want, I can say where the idea came from.
1: Actually, yeah, I don't even know where the idea came from, so that oh. would be great.
0: Okay, so I was doing some research on um, different types of podcasts around reading and writing, and one caught my eye and it's called The Portfolio of Life, and I will put it in the show notes. But unfortunately, they had their grand finale um, podcast episode on in March this year so I'm sure you guys can go check it out anyway but they were talking about how to get paid to pursue your passion in 48 hours or less and um, one of the guys on the podcast called Andy he basically just started uh, a coffee bean roasting business within 48 hours and he literally sold a product now that's completely different to writing but the question then arose for me what can I achieve with my writing in 48 hours and, you know, why 48 hours? It's the weekend and we have 52 weekends in a year.
1: Now, that, that all makes sense. That sounds good. Um, okay, so I guess my question for you would be what can you achieve in 48 hours, Shannon?
0: Um, well, I personally have written a short story in 48 hours before. Um, I can greet, uh, consume a considerable amount of coffee in 48 hours. And I did check with the FDA this morning to see how many cups of coffee you could, should drink in 48 hours. And they recommended four to five cups. Have you done more than four to five cups a day for 48 hours?
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Far more. Um, I think I used to average about 12 cups a day. This was black coffee and I was younger and, and, you know, more virile. So I could manage it back then. <laughs> um, and of course that was that was a, a time when it was like appropriate and polite to chain smoke in your house, so I had that all going um, and, so
0: smoking and drinking coffee,
1: yeah, smoking and drinking coffee.
0: did you consume uh, food in between those um sessions at all?
1: Not a lot, no. Not a oh lot, um, but at least I wasn't doing a, Heming- a Hemingway and having ab- absinthe before my sessions. He's a fascinating fellow, actually. I was uh, I was reading um, an interview with him. Uh, George Plimpton, who's also quite a, a notable person, interviewed Hemingway uh, in the Paris Review in 1958.
0: Okay,
1: and basically he was tracking his uh, writing process. Uh, And it was quite interesting. I'll I'll read you a a tiny quote. Um, Quote, he keeps track of his daily progress, so as to kid myself, on a large chart made out of the side of a cardboard packing case and set up against the wall under the nose of a mounted gazelle head. The numbers on the chart showing the daily output of words differ from 450, 575, 462, 1250 to 512 the higher figures on days hemingway puts in extra work so he won't feel guilty spending the following day fishing on the gulf stream um so so he was about uh i, I guess on average of 500 words a day writer um hemingway. and he also did some fascinating things like he actually worked at a standing desk long before wait, wait. these things were fashionable
0: hemingway did
1: he did all through his career. He he would oh, basically uh, place everything up around chest height, and he would handwrite and he would typewrite depending on how it was going. He found dialogue easy, so he would often just typewrite that uh, straight out of his head. But he did a lot of stuff by hand uh, with a, with a pencil. Um, and yeah, he had a he had a proper desk, like a, a sit down, have a snooze desk. Um, but that was just covered in letters and, and junk and hunting trophies and boxing gloves and bottles of absinthe and all the things that Hemingway was known for. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and, uh, I suppose in terms of the coffee, um, if you were going to write for 48 hours, uh, you'd have the issue of, of, you know, maintaining mental focus. That, that would be a significant issue.
0: There is actually a competition, uh, not a competition. It is a challenge where you write for 48 hours, no break.
1: Like you, you're not even allowed to sleep. You're just, just going no,
0: for You just go for 48 hours.
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, okay. So, so Graham Green, I'm going to, I'm going to throw another one out at you. Okay. Graham Green would have been mortified by that because he believed that much of the writing process occurred in the subconscious. So it was crucial to, to sleep on it essentially, and then try to pick it out of your uh, unconscious mind when you were up and about again.
0: That does make sense. Cause I was looking up, do you know off the top of your head, the author of picnic at hanging rock.
1: Oh, that's uh, Joan Lindsay, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that concept came to her in a dream and it was so vivid that she had to get up and suddenly start writing it. So you know, maybe the 48 hours just staying up and writing doesn't make sense, especially if your uh, ideas are coming from your dream or subconscious state.
1: Yeah, I think that there could be something in that. I mean, I always dream about really mundane things, so that wouldn't really be the fodder of great storytelling. Um, You know, doing my taxes, walking to the shop. I suppose, I don't know, it's I think i do all my imagining when i'm awake and then my subconscious brain is just like you know whatever uh let's think about all these other chores you were supposed to do that you haven't done i suspected something like that yeah uh, graham green was a 500 word man as well um although he took a, a i suppose you'd call it a catholic approach driven as he was by guilt to do his writing as soon as he got to the end of his 500 words, even if he was mid-scene, he'd be like, well, I don't need to do anymore. I've done my penance. And, and off he would go with the rest of his day. Even affairs, he said, you know, even if he was in the midst of an affair, it would have to take place after lunch.
0: When you said it was like the Catholic perspective, I thought you meant he would have to have a rest on Sunday. Or would he? No, he, he
1: believed, and, and in fact, I think most of the writers that I've researched believed that you have to write every day, including Sundays. Yeah. Um, but he was very much driven by something a bit like a confessional process where he had to atone for his non-writing sins, get that writing down, yeah. and, then, and then he'd be good to go. Um, yeah, so the, the, there are a couple of examples of, of 500 word-a-day writers how many would you say you write a day
0: well maybe this is blasphemous because i'm not an everyday writer
1: (gasps) oh that is Uh. blasphemous
0: (laughs) um i did a big writing day on friday and i wrote about 1200 words wow in the short story that i'm working on but then yesterday i i busied myself with other stuff, including getting this podcast organized. I mean, we could even say we organized this podcast in 48 hours and here we are. Um, so, but I was too busy to do writing, but I'm hoping to do some today. So
1: I think first of all, you're giving me way too much of the credit because I don't think I did any organizing at all, but uh, thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I suppose, I suppose you could achieve a lot in forty-eight hours, um, in terms of things like the kind of what is it called—the busy work around writing—and um, also reading, which is which is part of writing. I, yeah, you're going to hear me say that a lot over the course of this podcast. But reading is a form of writing, and vice versa. Um, mm. Which? Uh,
0: well, you could definitely finish a book in forty-eight hours.
1: Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, particularly if it's a slim volume, um, you absolutely could. I think there are certain books you couldn't finish in 48 hours. Like I've never been able to finish Ulysses by James Joyce. Um, I've been able to finish the first 22 pages, I think, three times within the space of an hour before giving up in in, in horror and disgust at myself, not being able to get into it. Um, Actually, uh, so, so Joyce would be one end of our spectrum. Absolutely. He'd be one end of our spectrum. Um, he was known for being absolutely constipated in his writing output. Um, and Stephen King is, got the, this
0: pretty crazy imagery right now.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. With his, with his eye patch on leaning over a table in despair, um, I think that's very much the image I have of Joyce. But, yeah, uh, Stephen King uh, read a book uh, 20 years ago um, called On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft. Yeah. Um, And he actually recounts an anecdote, which he says is probably not actually true, uh, about James Joyce, where he's visited by a friend and the friend comes in and and sees him and says, oh, James, what's wrong? Is it the writing? And, And Joyce says, well, of course, it's the writing. And the friend says, Well, you know, how many words did you get in today? And after a while, uh, Joyce manages to murmur out, seven. And the friend, you know, being a good friend, says, Oh, seven, but that, that's James, that's really good for you. And uh and Joyce replies, Yeah, I suppose it is. I just don't know what order they go in. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. So doesn't that make you feel better? Uh
0: Well, yeah. And it would be pretty humorous if that friend that has just seen Joyce constipated over his table was Stephen King, because I did listen to on writing and he recommended doing two to two and a half thousand words a day. And then if he didn't write every day, he said uh, the characters and the story becomes stale and he feels yeah, like. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm not sure that too many people would say that Stephen King isn't like the first rank of 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 fiction writers but he he is clearly an accomplished craftsman um and he's had a long career and he's produced a lot of very different work so i think um in terms of writing behaviors and writing routines he's someone that you really should uh pay attention to cuz you know he's got form um You know at the other at the other end of the the spectrum now i'm going to give you the other end of the spectrum Uh, i went looking around to see uh the biggest output and the award goes to michael crichton who wrote uh jurassic park i think he wrote the, the andromeda strain i think that was crichton um i haven't read any of his work so i couldn't comment on it but um when he was interviewed in 1970 by the new york times he claimed that there were periods when he would write for sixteen hours a day for a week or two, um, turning out roughly ten thousand words a day.
0: Wow! On a typewriter so or a pencil?
1: Yeah. I don't know much more about it. I, I I know that he's there's another quote from him from '86 um, where he says books aren't written, they're rewritten. Uh, including your own. It's one of the hardest things to accept, especially after the seventh rewrite hasn't quite done it. So there's something in that for us, I think. Um, And I've just got a lot of quotes here. I've got, do you want another quote? I'll give you another one. This one from Salman. Oh yeah. Well, that's very on point
0: at the moment, isn't it?
1: It is on point. It certainly is. Um, About six years ago in the Harvard business review, he said that when he started out he used to get a lot more written in a day than he did at that point so he would write four to five pages and currently he's doing about four or five hundred words but the difference he said is that the work he used to do needed a lot of revision and now he writes much less but it's closer to a finished piece yeah um So I think maybe, I mean, we could draw from that possibly the conclusion that writers can sometimes create a large body of text on a daily basis, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're writing any faster than someone who doesn't because potentially their rewriting process could be a lot more labor intensive.
0: Yeah. Who is it Irving that says he's only quality or, um, skill or talent really was that he could just rewrite and rewrite continuously.
1: Yeah. John Irving. Irving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, with his books that a lot of them are eight to 900 pages. So that's, a um, Herculean effort, isn't it? (laughs) It's very impressive. Um, these are all, I mean, it's, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a sausage fest in here. I did look up, uh, Margaret Atwood as well. Um, And I got very drawn into her whole process. There was a lot about breakfast and coffee and various other things. And I've actually forgotten the word, she said, but I think it was somewhere between one and 2,000 words. Um,
0: One, 2,000 words a day after a glorious breakfast and coffee.
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, like a lot of writers, um, her view is that you treat it like a job. Yeah. Um, And probably rather than worrying about how many words you can produce in a day, probably a, a more manageable, the number of hours writing every day.
0: Could, do you think you could do that? Cause I know, I mean, we are doing other things at the moment. Is that practical?
1: Well, you know, like a lot of things it's, it's practical in theory, <laughs> um, but it becomes highly theoretical in practice. So, uh yeah no I haven't really managed it I I think if I'm in a in a good frame I'm for two hours a day usually between about 6 a.m and 8 a.m in the morning before I have to run off to work and do other things how many hours do you think you do a day on average
0: well I do go down to the Friday writing day down at the Queensland Writers Center here in Brisbane Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that goes for six hours but I normally kind of am done by three, two to three, and that starts at ten. So that would be five hours. A good day for me would be three to four.
1: Okay, so when you go down to the Writers Center, um, does that is that is that because you want the structure of going somewhere? Because one of the things I did read about Margaret Atwood is that she doesn't have um, a space the sort of she she talked about um the sort of fetishizing of the writing space and you know your the the perfect quill pen you use to to draft your masterpieces and she said she's never had any of that she can write anywhere and that's what makes her more prolific yeah um, but do you find changing the space allows you to achieve more or potentially less
0: it's a good question and i think the answer would be I get annoyed by everyone else in the room so I have to work harder and you know like tip tapping people are very loud they cough so I have to work hard to drone them out so it's just me and my laptop and the days that I produce a lot of work is the days that I do successfully drone them out and the days that I don't is when I don't so it's a practice in removing the outside world. And that's, yeah, that's probably, it's less about the space and more about the practice of removing everything else.
1: Okay. Yeah. There was a study done on that. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it, but, but essentially it was a study to see how many decibels were ideal in terms of background noise were ideal for creative processes. i believe the uh the number was 75 decibels which is roughly what a relatively busy cafe cafe sounds like so i think um that might be why writers are drawn to cafes and and possibly to writing centers because it's just enough of a constraint that you have to focus to get past it and that's what keeps you focused um as opposed to having perfect silence And it's a blank page on, you know, into which you can stare forever.
0: Yeah. I think Stephen King said he listened to heavy metal when he was writing.
1: He did. And he also took a lot of cocaine, I recall him saying. So, you know, potentially there's something in that. Um...
0: Uh, Well, let's not promote like drugs on here, but (laughs) (laughs) he recently said that you don't need any um, substances to be a good writer
1: yeah yeah well i i could imagine he would say that because of course he did promote that that sort of narrative about himself quite a bit when he was younger yeah Um, and i i imagine if people are are fans of his work they might think this is the way forward for me um as a counterbalance uh coleridge the the poet coleridge said that he never achieved anything of any note it's high um and uh that makes a lot more sense because uh how would you even know uh, a lot of the time so yeah so how else would we like what other kinds of systems and structures could, could you put up in your life to generate more writing output
0: um i think that depends on what you're like so the people who do enjoy um working to deadline or challenges. There are a few that would kind of help you produce that amount of work that we're talking about. So I did find one called, called mill wordy. That's where you write 1 million words in a year. Okay. Um, and so you would have to average 3000 words a day, but of course this is the 48 hour challenge, you know, that's 6,000 words in a weekend. Um, you know, the average manuscript is 60,000, you know, 10 weeks, to. Write your first draft. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a 48 system challenge, 48 wow, hour that, challenge. That
1: is impressive.
0: Hmm. Uh, NanoRumo is another quite popular one where you produce 50,000 words in a month. So that's six, 1,667 words a day. And another challenge I found was a short story a day. So, I mean, if you wanted to create a collection of short stories, uh, you know, two on the weekend how many would that be by the end? Almost just under a hundred, 104.
1: Good gracious. There's bound to be a few gems in amongst it too. You would think, wouldn't you just statistically you'd hope so.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, someone who produced a collection of short story, um, the science fiction writer Harlan Ellison. So I have a little article here. He once pulled off a stunt to make the point that you don't need to wait for inspiration. Um, he At the close of NBC's Today Show in April 1981, interviewer Tom Brokaw held up an envelope containing a piece of paper which read, August afternoon, a person walking along a rocky beach in Maine picks up a pair of broken sunglasses. So the story is that at 9.45am, Harlan Ellison climbed into a window of a Fifth Avenue bookstore read Tom's words for the first time as the crowds looked on and then began to write. Five hours later, he produced the night of glass. No, the night of black glass. And that is a short story featured in his 1982 collection titled stalking the nightmare. So, you know, five hours, there's a short story.
1: That's really impressive. It's another constraint though, isn't it? Like the, uh, like the, the noise at the writer's center and, I,
0: having people watch you create a short story.
1: Well, yeah. And the time limit, all that pressure. I mean, um, Dostoevsky wrote the gambler in a month and that was to pay off his gambling debts. So effectively oh. he owed a publisher, a considerable sum of money. Uh, and basically he wagered the rights to all his works against this idea that he could produce a novel that obviously would make some money and help, uh, you know, pay off his future gambling debts. Uh, he could produce a novel in 30 days. And the publisher said, yeah, go on then. Um, and he got it done. He got it done with hours to go, apparently. And the publisher basically tried to hide from him so that he'd win the wages. So uh, Dostoevsky ran to the police station and uh, got them to kind of sign off on it like a JP kind of thing um to say that that you know they'd received it and it was done uh so yeah he did that in 30 days it's a novella but it's considered a, a significant piece of work from him that's quite impressive
0: did you say that they were threatening to break his kneecaps or something at one stage
1: no i don't know that they would have done that although to be honest with you i was thinking it would be a great sideline for the mafia wouldn't it you could sort of hire yourself a mafia person and say look if I don't have this novel down, done by the end of the year, I need you to come over with a baseball bat and sort me out. And I feel like that would motivate you, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be yes. a, a certain constraint uh, and, you know, even just the worry. <laughs> but then
0: talking people, about in, worry, on the opposite end, people some people don't handle pressure really well. I'm not sure if that system would work for you, Gareth.
1: Oh, no, I'm actually quite comfortable writing for reasons other than my own pleasure so for example I mean you know I, I I'll, give, I'll give you a great actually a great example of what I can produce in a short period of time so back in uh, about 10 years ago um, I was given uh, an editing job um, to do a to edit a collection of fairy tales Um, 40 fairy tales. They were all public domain texts, um, which is a nice cheap way to approach it. Um, But what the publisher wanted was they wanted all 40 to have the same writing voice and to be approximately the same length and the same tone and, and what have you. So it wasn't really an editing job because some of these texts were hundreds of years old and others were not nearly so old. Um, and they varied in length from about a page and a half to 40 pages in length so it was very much a, an exercise in ghost writing ghost writing the classics um, but there was a further complication which is I was given six weeks to do this um, however for various reasons the first four weeks the script did not arrive in my inbox uh, and the due date didn't change to accommodate that fact so I was given two weeks to do the 40 stories um I did them in nine I did them in nine days wow Um, I was working 16 hours a day uh and that collection is called if anyone wants to go track it down it's called the fairy tale treasury a classic collection of famous children's stories it's from Murdoch books in 2011 that was a 240 pages published uh because they only ended up using 20 of the stories they just wanted to have some choices so
0: oh uh, did you know that or not
1: no i didn't know that (laughs) (laughs) i think i would have said look you've only given me two weeks can't i just do 20 of them yeah But, um, but yeah so i i you know i don't know uh what my word count was but i know i was as soon as i knocked off one i'd be straight on to the next one and uh some were much harder than others um but in any case uh you know i used to write for publication uh, as a living and you know you would have different time frames and jobs uh and and really you know there was there was no flexibility around it like things were due when they were due and you just had to do them I know that when I used to do theater reviews, you'd go to the show at say eight o'clock at night, um, see the show wine and dine with the cast and crew and then stagger home, get up in the morning. And then you'd have to have the review researched, written and edited and to the, um, to the publisher by 11 AM the next day. Uh, so with those kinds of things, um, I can write quite quickly, uh, not always well, but quickly.
0: So why does it not transfer over to your own creative work? Do you think?
1: I think because, um, my creative work and the the work I'm currently doing, I'm doing for pleasure. So I'm writing at a speed that, well, I mean, obviously I'm not, work gets in the way. So, so that's obviously another thing altogether, but, when I am able to write and I actually can squeeze the time in to to sit down and actually do it, then for me, it is about the pleasure of the writing. Uh, Again, I think Salman Rushdie said something like that. Like he, he was indifferent to getting published. Uh, He just wanted to write writing when it's going well, when you find yourself inside the writing, it's magical and, and it's an exhilarating experience. He said something, you know, I went, claim to know the exact words but he said something like that and i've found that to be the case as well so it's not something i feel that you know why would you rush something you're enjoying Uh, i think it just takes the time it takes i'm very sort of um skeptical of daily word counts i think the ideal is to set aside an achievable amount of time every day no days off but every day when you write um, and it might be, I would think anything less than two hours is pushing it. at least it would be for me in terms of being able to settle myself and find my way in again and allow the imaginative process to sort of, uh, stretch out, get, you know, get some stretches in before we, we try to hobble. Um, so yeah, I would have said two hours would be a minimum. And, you know, if, if on a weekend I've got nothing else on, I'm happily right all day. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. so definitely writing for the enjoyment and the pleasure. I'm just trying to consider whether, so we have, you know, the big names like Margaret Atwood, Neil Gaiman, who's quite prolific now, definitely, especially with his Sandman. Do you think they still get pleasure now that it's a bit more of a, in a business setting now? You know, they are well-known. They have to keep producing for their publishers. Um, you know, it's a job. Is there still pleasure in the job?
1: I, well, I mean, I couldn't pretend to know, but um, certainly with, like Margaret Atwood's one of my favourite writers, um, And one of the things that I adore about her writing and want to emulate in my own writing is the sense of joy you can see in her writing. Um, yes. She's very in her writing doesn't strike me as self-conscious and when she writes about writing also it's just it's wonderful um hmm. so i would think that somehow uh, i mean i guess she could be faking it uh, but my sense is that she isn't and so she's managed to maintain that pleasure um regardless of how prolific she is and in fact i don't think she would regard herself as especially prolific Um, No,
0: she says that it's just because she's been around for a very long time. She's old.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's probably, that's probably right. Um, (laughs) And let's hope she sticks around for a lot longer and writes more books. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I think if I last long enough, I'll knock out two or three. Uh, Yeah. Give me a few decades.
0: A few decades. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, it's not a race, and I don't know. You look at someone like Harper Lee. You know, she only wrote the one book. I know there was a posthumous release, but I don't know that I uh, would consider that part of her canon ex- ex- exactly. Um, and I what and was I the name of the book. Was, oh, To Kill a Mockingbird.
0: Oh yeah, um, but that was released post um League.
1: Oh, uh, gosh, what is it? Is it Ghost Set a Watchman? Something like that. Uh, i never paid it much mind. I know that there was some talk that she may have been quite involved in writing a Bean Full of In Cold Blood, which is solely attributed to Truman Capote.
0: Ah, oh, yes, I think I have heard that.
1: Um, but she was a slow writer and she wrote as much as she wanted to write, really. And uh, what she has written um has had an impact which is really all you're trying for I think as a writer is to um have your stories do something to readers yeah so yeah I don't know. I mean how many how many times can you pull it off uh or, or in fact how many times would you want to pull it off
0: um I mean how many books has Lee Child written in the the Ripper series I think he was on to 27 28
1: yeah yeah but you know I mean, I think his son writes his books now, or something like that, oh really, yeah, and I know James yeah. Patterson has a series of um I don't know, you wouldn't call them ghost writers they're they're more like um child writers or something, you know, new writers that come along and he contributes an idea and they go off and write it for him um so at that point, the name is the thing, isn't it? it's not the work yeah Uh, it's a product Uh, I don't I don't mean to say that in any kind of um, offhand way but I think it is actually just just a product Um, but you know it's like people who people who talk about you know the idea that you have to have read certain books like I haven't read Ulysses I just can't do it I'll just admit it now hand on my heart I think I've also
0: tried to pick up Ulysses and read it and I I think I get up to 10 pages and like Okay, yeah, I get I get the deal. It's not for me.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's just a primer for Finnegan's Wake, which apparently makes Ulysses seem like a Golden Book. Oh. Uh, yeah, much much harder piece of work. I think uh, his wife said to him once, "Why can't you write anything people want to read?" <laughs> I don't know if that's apocryphal. Uh, it sounds like the sort of thing your wife or husband would say to you though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah i think so but yeah so i guess i mean what are we what are we concluding from this in terms of a writing perspective um what what, uh, what should one expect to be able to achieve in 48 hours
0: uh well given the name of the podcast is uh pleasure of the text uh i think the number one would be pleasure i mean this is we do it because we enjoy it i mean Uh, if you're a sucker for punishment writing is definitely up your alley because at times it is not fun especially when you're editing and it's not your passion but writing for me definitely is just having transported myself to a completely different place that is not my reality and it's very fun and I also get so much pleasure when other people when I impact other people through my writing so I suppose that is the number one takeaway for me and really when I heard this podcast it's that You know, I hear it a lot from other writers and it's, um, you know, I'm not inspired at the moment. And I think waiting around for inspiration is a mugs game. And I think, you know, at some stage you really do just need to put words to paper and, you know, start producing something. Um, But that's my take on it. What about yours?
1: Um, Well, I agree. And, um, you know, uh, you you can basically – go to a, a cafe and you'll find inspiration. by needing to focus past those 75 decibels. Uh, uh, Georges Perec, um, you know, he 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 would create constraints for himself, um, really sort of arbitrary things. Like, uh, you know, he wrote a novel that did not include the letter E at any point. Um, and that constraint, he said, actually, freed up his creativity to the extent that um, he felt like the book almost wrote itself uh so so yeah i mean that's inspiration that was generated through technique so i agree you've got to be a turtle mug just to sit around waiting for it to come uh you know you've got to get out there and get dating folks Uh, you know love won't just knock on your door um and I suppose the other side of it, besides pleasure, is uh, text. you gotta, you got to generate some text. Uh, I don't think it actually matters how much text you generate. Uh, but you need that interplay between, you know, being there, being a writer, and having something that you're writing. Uh, and, and I say that very much in present tense, because once something is written, at least for me, it's dead to me. Uh, that's a bit
0: extreme
1: no it's true i well because when you're reading books you know you're in that moment of the book and it's very similar to the moment you're in when you're writing uh so somebody else comes along and i find them more interesting than i find myself um and that that sort of past self seems extremely redundant again i think that might be um I think Rushdie said something along the lines he knew that he'd finished writing a book when it didn't change he just wrote it in different ways something like that uh and and that idea of sort of a kind of an imaginative exhaustion for me I know when it's done when I no longer care about it and just want to move on to something else and, and sometimes that could be somebody else's work um you know like we obviously uh, work together on our writing. And there are times when I just think, well, I just want to uh, work with Shannon on her writing. I don't really want to have to deal with this this stuff I'm doing. It's become <laughs> tedious. Uh, so yeah, you know, you want to, you want to eat out at the restaurant rather than stay at home and cook your own steaks and you know, go somewhere else and experience writing in a different context. Yeah. So, yeah. Pleasure and text. I think I think those are the things that you're trying to achieve in 48 hours, whatever shape that takes.
0: Yeah, and whether or not you think you'll benefit from having a 48-hour constraint um, or not. I mean, that's up for you to decide to produce that pleasure and to get the text on the page as well. Um, so kind of next week we are doing our creative writing segment. And um, have you thought about much about what we're going to be doing for that week, Gareth?
1: Well, I think, you know, I mean, to be hundred percent honest, uh, no, okay. but, um, you know, that's okay because I'm inspired. I'm inspired by the process. And I think probably that can be our topic, uh,
0: inspiration know,
1: by the process, getting past writer's block. If writer's block actually exists, um, so yeah, I think that's what we'll do. We'll look at techniques for, for getting around writer's block and, and generating inspiration, being in control of your own inspiration.
0: Okay. Um, and also after that, we are reviewing, um, the secret run, no secret rendezvous by Kobo Abe. Oh, I'm yes. excited.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm excited too. He's a funky writer. I like being in his imaginative space. It's a great yes. place.
0: So you said that you've almost finished uh, his other book.
1: Yeah. The ruined map, um, which is, which, which, I, which I can't recommend highly enough. It's been absolutely fascinating. And like all great writing, it has changed my whole conception of lemon curtains, lemon, <laughs> lemon colored curtains. I, I'll only ever think of the ruined map now when I see lemon colored curtains. Yeah. Yeah, okay. or possibly you know lemon sherbet too. I, I could I could see this really bleeding out in into my world.
0: Well, that's awesome. It's impacted you already, and I'm hoping this book impacts me as well. So I'll definitely put a link if you want to uh, join us for the review. For if you want to go pick up the book from Book Depository, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and just closing, if you have enjoyed listening to Gareth and Shannon, like and subscribe to the podcast, and everything would we have discussed today will be in the show notes over at our website and anyone who wants to partake in the 48 hour challenge send us an email and let us know what you got up to and what you achieved and did it bring any pleasure to your writing experience let us know uh, and i think that's closing for us until next time what do you say gareth
1: yeah i think i think we're done over an hour